From the heart of trucker America, my boy Reed Coverdale, host of The Naturalist, Capitalist. As the left becomes less religious, they become more statist. And as the right becomes more religious, they still become more statist. Whenever you add government, you by default remove community. Most of the blame goes on Obama, but it actually starts with Bush, right? Like in 2006. Yeah, uh, not sitting very still, or did his phone go out? And I have no intention of keeping any promise that I make. It's bad that the state is as big as it is. Hey guys, thank you for watching The Naturalist Capitalist. Um, I'm actually mostly just doing a stream to let you guys know that Trent is alive. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I just did a live stream with Trent from the Redacted Caucus, I don't know, about what two hours ago now. And about 10 minutes into it, he had a seizure uh, on the live stream. And so pretty shortly after it was obvious that he wasn't okay, I killed the live stream. And um, I just stayed on the line until he came back to and he was fine. But I honestly barely know Trent. I am in a group chat with him, but he's just been asking me to let him come on the show for a while. So, you know, I do that. I let people with smaller platforms come on just so they can get the word out because that's what other people have done for me. Um, but I, I really don't know him at all. So I didn't know who knew him. <laughs> I didn't even really know where he lived. Um so I was freaking out because I'm first aid CPR certified, but there's not really that much you can do on a video call <laughs> on the other end. So I made a bunch of phone calls um, that people gave me phone numbers to and ended up getting a hold of people who knew him. And then by the time I actually got someone headed toward his house, he actually woke back up um, and I talked to him and he was OK. Um, but yeah, that was scary. Um, I, I, it felt a lot like Ron Paul on the Liberty Report when he had a stroke. He had a Ron Paul moment, but it wasn't a, a Giuliani moment. It was the type of Ron Paul moment you don't want to have. But uh, anyway, I'm doing a second stream tonight. Uh, and this is a guy that I've actually just gotten to know recently. Um, and I just went on his show last week. I've got his show linked in the description. And I'm asking, please, that you don't stroke out on me or die or fall over or anything because I'm uh, terrified now and I don't know if that's a, a side effect coming on this podcast but we got Jose Galison. how's it going man yeah, I'm going all right man um, I'm, I'm glad to take sloppy seconds here I'm not gonna complain um you know I had to orchestrate some things to make it happen but you know here I am there you are <laughs> <laughs> yeah man that was uh the weirdest thing I've ever had happen during a podcast I had a pretty weird podcast yesterday but uh yeah, today's kind of blew it out of the water. But um, yeah, why don't you uh, tell everyone about yourself? What What is it? Uh, let, let's see. Let's just start with your background. Where do you come from? What What was your original philosophy, politically, religiously, whatever? I mean, I'm 29, so I haven't had too much life, really, you know, to go too much into that. But I mean, I I grew up and I wasn't like anything. I was just, I guess I could say it's more like, I could say in one sense I was a neocon, but in other sense, more like a Fox News Republican, like, I was a neocon in the in the sense that I supported all the things the neocons supported, but it wasn't like I really overly thought of it. It was just said more that like, well, that's what Fox News said, so that's what we think, and just generally that's kind of where we were. And uh, I mean, I, it was never something I thought about too much until I got older. Um, I don't know it was really my com the fact I have a commute that really started making me get more into that shit. 
we talked about on my episode that we had new my episodes those you know look and it's not released yet it's on patreon so if you want to you know, i'll do my little grift thing if you want to see the episode early it's actually was it's really bugging me keep not releasing it yet because it was actually pretty kick-ass uh, I hate, that's one thing about recording early. Whenever you have a good episode, you're like, shit, it's going to release it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's going to be released not next week, but the week after. So, um, yeah, if you guys want that, patreon.com, just no way Jose 2020, and that's where it's at. But, yeah, in that episode, we kind of talked about, too, how me and you both came from being atheists. And so, like, I came from that route. I was, uh, I was very grew up in a religious household. And, like, my first thing to go was my faith. Like, I lost my faith, and I lost my faith by, like, we talked about our episode about how like I didn't want to like if anything like I started looking deep more deeply into the stuff to reaffirm my faith and I started right. looking from a logical way and that's actually what got me out because I started looking at debates and stuff and just seeing like the religious folks get trounced and I, mean, I know people are probably reading in the comics right now but I don't care I mean it is what it is <laughs> but but yeah I was like I was seeing them destroy him and even then I didn't have a firm grasp on like logical fallacies and stuff but I was a, a fairly smart kid so like I kind of could tell like these guys. One of these people in this argument is grounded in logic and the other one isn't. And so from there, I started looking more into it to try to justify my beliefs because I had family that would just like give me crap and make it seem like I'm an idiot for my beliefs or lack thereof. And uh, so I started studying logic, logic more, you know, logical fallacies, stuff like that. And from there, you know, that's kind of what set the groundwork later for me to go down this road of like becoming like a libertarian and then the ultimate jump from anarchist to anarchist because it's just like, that's just, if you're a anarchist, they're already almost there. You just need to you know, apply your fucking your logic all the way through. Just for some reason, you allowed to have this cognitive dissonance where it's like, well, but this thing's okay. This one, you know, I don't have to apply my logic to. So right. And yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's my faith that went first, and the rest fell fell after. Yeah, I was. Uh, I became a. I don't know. I became a libertarian pretty much at the same time I became an atheist, but I didn't become an anarchist till like four four or five years after I became an atheist. Um, I started questioning both statism and Christianity at about the same time. It was pretty much in like 20, late 2013, early 2014. Um, and I, I would call myself a small L libertarian by the time 2016 came around. I certainly wasn't grounded in the philosophy at all, but I, I was fiscally conservative, socially liberal, anti-war, anti-police state, all those types of things. Um, it wasn't until 2021 really like that. I finally admitted to myself that I'm an anarchist. Did you hear any of that? Or was that all? I lost it for a second. I don't know what's going on lately. It's been doing this. I don't know what's going on my connection these days. <laughs> I'm going to be hypersensitive when you sound like you're stroking out. Cause I'm going to think that you're, <laughs> you're starting to die on me. But yeah, um, the, uh, what I was saying is I became a libertarian pretty much at the same time that I became an atheist but I didn't become an anarchist till like three or, or let's see, four or five years after I became an atheist. What was the time gap for you? Like, were you still a conservative when you became an atheist and then you became a libertarian or were they paralleled at all? Or how did that go? I mean, I don't necessarily recall them being too parallel, but I, d I did have like a, I feel like I, so far my growth philosophically, like when in, in regard to like, you know, the legitimacy of the state or whatever, you know, libertarianism, uh, I feel like that, um, that kind of happened gradually and then all of a sudden. So, like, I kind of gradually went all the way to minarchist, like radical minarchist or whatever, you know, like just only the big three, the police, the courts, the military. And then from there, fucking just then it was like I made a huge jump from minarchist to anarchist because I was like sitting on the fence. 
This is a, this is a pretty good point. I'm not sure how to answer that one, so I'll, I'll think about it. And put. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the whole meme of uh, fucking, um, you know, how a whole religion was set up uh, around some girl screwing around. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're gonna get canceled by a lot of people. Not in this crowd so much, actually. They're used to it by now. The the ones who can't handle it have left. So. <laughs> But. Yeah, but uh, no, I mean, I, I, I guess it probably sort of moved along, and I would think there was probably something to that, that it moved along along with it. Because, I mean, I think around the time it became an atheist, I was probably like a conservatarian slash, like, libertarian-ish, you know, somewhere along those lines, like a Ron Paul libertarian. I can't right. tell you exactly where I was along the journey, but I was I was moving that way. I mean, the biggest um, biggest things for me in my life were, like, there were sudden jumps in my, my thoughts were fucking uh we're theist atheist and then the minarchist anarchist this was probably the two most significant everything else was like gradually like even to my point in like religion to where i made that jump from theist atheist it was the same exact thing it was slow and then all of a sudden because it was like we talked about in our episode it was just kind of like you said that you kind of just slowly just were like well that's dumb so now i'm going to find a way to justify that within my belief system oh this is dumb i'm going to find a way to justify this within my belief system and then you get to a point where you're like i'm justifying everything in this like just doing complete backflips trying to figure out how to make this work and, and that's like not how logic works like right. <laughs> so, yeah jose get up before reed attempts to kill you i think yeah. <laughs> well to be honest like i thought if anyone would get struck down by god you know in this show it would be me just because of all those things i say about him but then this completely innocent bystander just comes on to talk about the redacted caucus and god <laughs> takes his shit out on him you know that's not really fair but well, I mean, that's, that's how they did job you know they just fucked know, everything right? around <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of more messed up if you think about it. Instead of just killing you, just slowly kill everyone around you. Yeah, can you imagine if you're like you're a dad of like great kids and your wife says, like, you know, I bet Jimmy really doesn't love you. And he says, Oh yeah, no, of course Jimmy loves me. And she says, He only loves you because of all the stuff you give him. And then the dad's like, Oh yeah, you want to test that theory? And then he like burns all his stuffed animals and like starts <laughs> like making him sleep out in the coal shed and beating him every night. And then he still ends up loving him. And he'd be like, see, told you. It's like, Oh wow. That's uh that's great. Like that's an inspiring story right there. <laughs> Not an abusive relationship at all. <laughs> so <laughs> when it, like you were just saying, I mean, you just, I, I was just finding more and more that I didn't believe both with the state and with religion. And I was just like, no, okay, I don't, so, for example, I was like, all right, no, we don't need the CIA. We don't need, um, you know, just like government program after government program. I was like, yeah, Social Security, like none of this stuff. This is all dumb. But I was keeping like the biggest parts, the biggest central parts of it. were like, oh, yeah, we still need that. I was doing the exact same thing with religion because I was like, OK, yeah, Noah's Ark. No, you know, six day creation. No, Tower of Babel. No, but I was keeping like the super central structure of it. That, that I was like really scared to let go of that. And then you just finally get to the point where you're like, okay, the central structure is the whole problem. That's where all this bullshit comes from, both in the state and with religion. Um, was that kind of the realization you came to as well? or Whether the central structure? I mean, I just got to the point where I'm just justifying everything. And it's like all these reasons why I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And I just apply it to the whole thing. I'm like, no, this makes sense. And it's like, I don't know. The more you analyze it, it's like, I mean, the way I look at belief is, it's like, I'm not asserting I don't believe there's a God, or I don't think there's a God. Like, I'm not asserting there is no God, I guess is the way I'm right. to say it. I just, I, it hasn't met my burden of proof, and I just, 
I've realized as time went on that I had a really shitty burden of proof before. Cause it's like, there was, I was just taking on what people told me. And the more I look into it, the more I'm like this, none of this makes sense. And it's like, you know, I, I forget what the line is. It's what a crazy, what the fuck is the line you said in your oh, episode? Yeah. It's uh, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Yeah. And even that is really, it's not even that, a. I mean, there was like almost really very little to no evidence for it. So like in, in the evidence that, that there is for Christianity is like tenuous at best. So like the more oh, I look okay. at like, it. I'm more open-minded towards someone telling me that there's a God than telling hmm. me that the government is going to function correctly. I don't know how you feel about that, but like with, when it comes hmm. to religion, it's like so abstract and so unknown on so many levels where if you're a status still, it's like, how yeah like how can you be <laughs> i mean it is easier because it is funny how for us both it was like maybe it was because it's so much easier to let go of the fucking of this the belief in state if you've already like let go of the bigger belief in like the god because there's so much more that goes into that it has so much more implications for your life and afterlife and all that stuff than you know a, i mean in a sense i guess a, the the state has more of a real world uh like you know grip on your life but for the implications of it, the theism, atheism thing has a whole lot more. So if you can let go of that, I feel like it makes it easier. But yeah, it is like a, yeah, that's definitely true that uh, I can, because with like the whole government and that it working correctly, it's like there, I can literally just like logically break it down very easily of like why this is retarded. Like the incentives are all wrong. Like that was probably one of the biggest things for me is that the incentives problem. Like you look at this government as a whole, it's like, where are these incentives at? Like the incentives are, going towards shit so it's like you can like you can see these small wins where like a lot of people are like well what about this guy he he changed this policy or he changed that or did this but it's like but if you look at the overall structure as a whole the incentives are fucked so like it's going to over the long arc go to hell so it's like it's not even like a like yeah sure this guy did a, one good thing cool like ron DeSantis keep or keeping it open great that's awesome but you know what if you look at the, the structure as a whole the incentive goes the entire opposite way he's an anomaly right. <laughs> so, like I don't know. It's the same thing. But then with religion is more, much more abstract. It's like you, you don't have this like, I don't know, it's not as bulletproof. And also I feel like there's a whole lot more cognitive dissonance that goes into the religion thing. So it's like, with, don't get me wrong, there's cognitive dissonance in the, in the statism thing. But I, I feel like there's, there's a lot more because w with the religion thing comes like, oh, you're telling me that my grandma is just does, isn't in heaven or, or whatever, you know, like shit like that. And there, there's just so much more to it. Like, I feel like it's much, it's, people's religion has a much bigger implication in their life than the state does in a lot of ways. I mean, it, obviously I'm speaking in broad brushes because there are people that's not the case at all. There are, there are obviously those like those people who go to church once a year on like Easter Sunday and it doesn't mean a damn thing to them, you know, but yeah. <laughs> at least that's my experience in life. That's how I was brought up. So, so I, I think there's this narrative that if you're not religious, that you're more susceptible to the state. I don't find that to be true. I know plenty of religious people who are, they just like latch on to different parts of the state. They like to mix their religion with the state. It's not like they hate the state. They just want to use the state as an enforcement of their religious beliefs, or at least like their religious rituals or religious sayings or whatever. Um, and then they seem in general, they seem to have this strange fascination with the military and the police, which is ironic. I don't see that as, you know, a biblical message at, at least not, in the new Testament, but um, don't you find that as a false statement that religion uh, protects you from worshiping the state? I, I don't think it does at all. 
Um, I don't know. This is one that I used to be very much in the camp of, you know, the because that was my angry atheist phase where I was just like, no, we don't need religion for anything, anything at all. But I do, I'm starting to kind of, I mean, I'm not even asserting one way or another. It's just been something I've been thinking about a lot lately, that there may be something too, because I do think that modern day religion, me and you, obviously, if we went into the Bible, we could totally pick it apart and show how this is not a good doctrine for liberty. But mm -hmm. they, people have kind of twisted it in modern days to kind of be, and there are ways to interpret it in a way that is. So like, look at like uh, a lot of these like biblical anarchists out there. I mean, I've had one on my show. And they have, they're able to, you know, kind of, because this is the thing is when you're dealing with a book that's like thousands of years old and has all different books and just kind of thrown together haphazardly, you can kind of get to justify whatever the hell you want. So it's right. kind of almost like prepackaged like ideology through modern day lens that you can get people to a similar conclusion as you. So I, I think there may be utility in that. I'm not sure. I'm very much up in the air. I'm not asserting one way or the other. I think there may be utility in that. It's kind of like we were, I think, I don't know if it was me and you were talking about our show, but I was kind of, the idea was like, if I can get you to the same conclusion, like, while I would prefer you came to that conclusion through logical means, if you came to it through illogical means, or means, means, then I can like, I can work on that. But I would like to get you to the conclusion first. And if I, if the quickest yeah. way to do it is through, well, Jesus said, or, you know, well, the NAP or, you know, natural rights or whatever thing it is. If that's how I can get you to the same conclusion that I'm at, like we can work on your how you got there later. Like right. So I'm not saying know. that you can't arrive there because obviously you can. What I'm saying is I don't buy that more religious people are uh, less susceptible to the state than atheists are. Like I don't find that to be the case. For I think like the split in the libertarian movement is actually pretty even. It seems like it's about fifty fifty. I don't really know, but. The religious people I know, they're not anti-state. Like, I mean, they're. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. I don't think that because you worship a religious god that it safeguards you from worshiping things of the world, if you will. Like, I mean, they seem mm -hmm. to do both still. And then a lot of atheists worship just worldly things, like the state or mm -hmm. scientism or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I definitely, my experience has been that religious people are tend to be more status than, in, I mean, I don't know if they're more status than non-religious people, but I, I mean, it's hard to compare because the thing is too with religion, it's, or with statism in general, most people are status. So it's like, it's kind of hard comparing it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if, how religion does to prevent that. It is kind of, there is some utility, I think, in like, and maybe I've lost my faith in that a little bit and utility in somebody having a higher power they answer to because it like, I mean, it's funny I say this, but in, in my head, I'm already preparing the argument against what I'm saying. <laughs> but right. like, fucking, you look at like the, the lockdown shit. Some of the best things have been the religious people, but in the same, same fucking breath, they have also been complete and utter bitches when it comes to it. Because I know when this the whole lockdown stuff kicked off, I actually like, I was like, that was one of the times like, you know what? Thank God for religion in an ironic way. Obviously I don't believe in God, but cause I was like expecting that it was going to be like mass, like religious people would be like, fuck you. Like, no, yeah. like I serve a higher power and, and you know what? It's, it's not you. So, but that did not end up being the case. I mean, there are no. some, I mean, there are some people you start to realize who are really about their shit. And I mean, like a lot of Jewish people very much were. So, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of a mixed bag. I, I don't know. This, that is a question that I'm like go back and forth on. I can make an argument either way. I mean, I, 
I yeah, so I'm not. <laughs> I'm not even saying that more atheists are less susceptible to the state. I just think it's a pretty even split. I don't think that that. I don't think that that is really any indicator of how anti or pro state you're going to be because I've seen it go both ways. Like I'm in Utah, the the churches in Utah, like the Mormon community, they were total cucks on the lockdowns and on not going to church on Sunday, all that type of stuff. Like they just bent right over. Um, and the, actually the biggest advocate of opening up and letting people worship as they wish was the guy who was, he was in that video I sent to you, uh, John Molnar, uh, who mm. ran for uh, Congress. He's a staunch atheist. And he was the one who was speaking out about how unconstitutional everything was going on with the houses of worship. Um, but yeah, um, I think that, um, you know, the problem isn't necessarily like religious texts or believing in a higher power in a religious way. I think the problem is trying to um, remove your thought and your theory and your your logic and place it on something else to decide it for you. I don't think that's good. So if it's the state, if you're just letting the state decide what you're allowed to do, what's safe, what's going to be good for the environment, what's going to impact society in a successful way, that's dumb. And then if you're doing it with a religious text that's 4,000 years old or whatever, you know, okay, that's dumb too. Um, I think that, um, you know, 4,000 to 2,000, you know, you know what I mean? Like the Bible has been written over a long period of time, but whatever text you're, you're, you're ascribing to, if, um, if you're letting it replace your thought process, that's what I think is bad. Like, I don't expect everyone to be an atheist. I don't expect everyone to arrive at the same conclusion that I do. I think that theists should exist and that people should believe there's a God based on, you know, their own journey or whatever. I just don't like it when people remove their thought process and their critical thinking and place it on something else. Yeah. If you can find a way to somehow, at least in your way, logically come to that conclusion. Great. I mean, it's the logic that matters to me the most. I mean, I know like, I'm, I mean, I've been a big fan of like Vinarmani this year and how he's going on about like the magic and stuff. But at the same time, it's like, I would prefer, I don't have to use quote unquote magic. I would prefer I could get you there to, through logic, but I mean, we know that human beings don't necessarily always work that way. As much as we love Tom Woods, like he's more just preaching to the choir. How I mean, how many people who weren't already in that like framework of thought really convinced by charts and graphs? I mean, to some extent, the magic religion, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever that thing is, will bring you there. It may help bring you there more. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really know what the way is going forward, but that's why it's kind of getting at that. I care more that we get to the same conclusion. And then we can work on, you know, how you got there. That's not at all to say how you got there doesn't matter. I actually think it matters a lot because right. I do think like you're getting at that. If you can be, if you can come to the same conclusion as me, but you come to it through, you know, appeals to authority or whatever, then, you know, what's going to happen when you get a different appeal to authority? You know what I mean? Like you're, there's a good chance you're just going to go that way. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I don't know. It's, I'm like kind of saying a whole bunch of nothing, but at the same time saying something because I can kind of see both sides of the issue. But I, that's just where I'm at these days. If we can get the same conclusion, it's awesome. But I mean, if, if we can't, like, I mean, if, if like, I'd rather get you to my conclusion and then from there we can maybe work on the, the, the process that got you there. So I'm Yeah, like, I agree. Like yeah. in this time with how weird things are, that as long as we're fighting against the same thing, we're good. Like I, 
I'm cool with anarcho-communists right now, like actual anarcho-communists, not mm-hmm. not statist communists. They can fuck off. But like people who actually don't believe in a state and they want to fight the same power structure right now. Sure. Like I, th- I look at them as being on the same side. But I think going forward, it matters how we try to get people to think, you know, because in order for them to arrive at the right conclusion, you want them to think in a critical way. Because even if you can get them on your side right now, like if this tribalistic, dumb, um, propagandized thinking continues, then it's just going to be another door for something like what's going on right now to happen again. Because I really believe that we are where we are now because people don't think for themselves. They just think whatever CNN or the church or the state or whatever tells them to do. There's very little critical thinking and questioning going on. Oh, I agree. Yeah, no, I think that, I mean, as it's, it's much as people joke nowadays, it is the consistency that's a problem, you know, but and I just, I, I know there is something too that it's like people aren't consistent. So to some extent, you got to utilize a little, <coughs> little Bernays sometimes to get, get what you want. And I'm, I've embraced that more this year in that um, I think sometimes with messaging, you know, we need to be, you know, take that in mind and realize that it's not always going to be the logic that gets them where you want to be. And it doesn't mean you have to lie to people. But I do think there is something to embracing the magic, if you will, and, you know, playing playing upon those things to get people where you want them to be. And, you know, just the whole, like I said, Bernays, like propaganda, like learn. I feel like we need to learn that shit more. And, and, and if you're coming from a place of logic and you're utilizing those tools, I feel like it's more appealing than someone who's not coming from a place of logic and using those tools. So I think we have the better message, but we're and sometimes I think we're far too focused on being the being consistent or being fucking being the logical ones, which don't get me wrong. That's fucking great. But you know, that's just not how people are convinced. Sometimes it's better to make the emotional argument, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I think in the short term, the emotional argument is good. I just think in the long term, we should be pushing for logic because the entire reason that nobody cares about anything is because they've thrown logic out the window. So I think we need to bring logic back into the conversation and try to get people to think consistently again. Because- yeah, I agree. I think, yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the thing is we we can have both. And the thing right. is like, if we can utilize both, the other side only utilizes one. So we win, like, right. th- there you go. But if we're only focused on logic, it's like, you're, we're going to fucking lose. It's just, that's, that's it. You know, like, I mean, I, maybe not. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I no. think there's some sort of demonstration that you can use to show in real life, but we'll, we'll have an easier time winning. I think, because I think in the end, liberty, the, it'll move towards liberty, you know, overall, but. Oh, yeah, I know. If you can scare Republicans into being libertarians by just talking about how the Republicans are really going to take your guns away and, you know, they don't care because or whatever, like as long as I mean, if you can scare them into liberty, cool. Or if you can trick them into liberty or whatever, <laughs> as long as they're in liberty for now, it's important. But I, I, I agree with you. Like you can use both. I just think the long term, we should really be trying to get people to think again. And maybe again's incorrect. I don't know if they ever have because there's been crazy propaganda all throughout history and people have done all sorts of stupid stuff all the time. But I just really believe they do stupid stuff because they don't think and because they're not trained to think. Um, So I I think critical thinking in the long run is actually more important than tricking someone into liberty. Like, I think that's a very temporary win. Um, I think in general, we've just got to get people to open their eyes. Yeah, I mean, what I what, to add to what I was saying is I I wasn't trying to be dismissive of Tom by any means. I said I said he's only preaching to the choir, but I actually think you're right, and the logic is important. And I think preaching to the choir is an extremely important thing. 
because you know we can have our you know, no name comes to mind off the top of my head, but maybe you could say Vin. Although I don't know if he necessarily does utilize the magic he talks about too much um, in trying to like you know kind of do like propagandize or emotionalize people towards liberty. But then once they get here, you got people like Tom Woods who can give you the facts, can give you the shit you need to strengthen your belief system that you already have. So because it's like I do think there is something to like this like bringing people towards us. I don't think the logical argument necessarily always works. It doesn't mean it, it doesn't ever work, but I think the more appealing argument is using like emotional arguments. Like instead of being like, you know, say with like the welfare shit, like when people bring that up, instead of saying that, like, instead of coming to the point of like, well, these motherfuckers need to work, you can come from the point of like, hey, this is why I think under a, you know, anarchist system that they would actually do better or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm doing it because I care about them. I'm not doing it because it's like, fuck them, you know? But oh, Eric! Someone mentioned Eric Delay. Eric Delay is a good example of like kind of what I'm getting at more. I guess he does a lot more of that work in moving the culture and stuff. But yeah, I mean, the, like people like Tom Woods and people, the people who are the facts, logic people, they're extremely important because like you're like it's kind of like they you might be able to get someone to your side, but are they going to stay? Right. Are they going to have a good, solid, logical like process they use? Like, I mean, we we need people like Tom Woods, you know, to fucking do shit like that, you know, to like strengthen like through logic their belief system. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to switch topics a little bit. You uh, you have seen Liberty Unity in action twice in like the last couple of weeks, a little bit on yourself and then a little bit on uh, Nick, um, Nick Ashley. So uh, you were you were one of the guys that was like Lib Unity's fake and gay. And, and <laughs> now you're like, well, it's gay, but it's not fake. So uh, <laughs> here, like, here, here's my take. It's Liberty Unity is simultaneously fake and gay and base and awesome. <laughs> It's a semantics game, which it's it's a. I mean, if we can if we can reclaim the word, then cool. But I think unity has some connotations of compromise, which I'm not all about. And I just do. I know some people mentioned like the Sal and Misa stuff earlier, and and I know why they're bringing it up because I'm a. I would what I'd call like a non-voting anarchist. I I'm more of a small L libertarian. I don't necessarily agree with that path. So I'm in some senses, I'm more of a fan of like the remnant uh, approach. And, mm-hmm. but I do think there's a place for it. So I'm not as concerned with unifying with everyone, but I, I am still concerned. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a semantics thing. I think cause it, the, depending on your implications, when you hear unity, so I think some people hear unity and hear one thing and, so, and other people hear it and hear another thing. Uh, I think it's Frederick Douglass who said, I would unite with any man to do, uh, to do good and with no one to do wrong. Something along those lines. That's kind of where I'm at with unity. If I can get, like, I will, you know, like, for anyone who's a fan of Sterner, it's Union of Egoists. Like, I will unify you with you when fucking, when it's something I agree with, but as soon as it, you don't, I'm like, I mean, like, the, the our, our agreements in no way buys you any favor with me with our disagreements. It's kind of where I'm at, so. Yeah, well, that's what it was all about. It was all, I mean, <laughs> I think people should listen to, like, who is actually pushing it. Because a lot of people say like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to unify with uh, what's his face there, um, Richie Castaldo. And I'll say like, <laughs> OK, I have not seen him say anything about Liberty Unity. I've never seen him hashtag it out. Never seen like Nick Sarwark or Andy Craig, any of these people that are doing nothing but hurling grenades at anything that's happening. You know, they don't push Liberty Unity at all. It's pe- it's me, Dave Smith, Jeremy Todd. David fight, you know, people who kind of actually want to make things happen. But yeah, um, it, so, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, it's a go good ahead. example. I want to provide a good example of what you're getting at. Fucking, I don't remember what Dave tweeted, but he t- tweeted some shit about like Sarwark at some point, something like nice. And I can't remember what the exact situation was, 
then Sarwak came back with some snippy shit. And I think Dave's tweet had something to do with Unity. And like Sarwak came back with some snippy shit. And we actually we actually towered here in Tower Game. We towered Dave when he did that because we're like, that's fucking gay. Like, why like why is he like being like that to Nick? But then when Nick came back and was a bitch to him about it, it was kind of like, oh, that's why. This is a perfect demonstration of who is concerned with Unity and who is not. Right. Like, like you know, Starwalk is the time. He's, he's kind of what I was getting at in our conversation. Like people who kind of claim they want unity and then don't really. Because like Starwalk would be the same type to be like, oh, look at this person, you know, dividing the, the party or whatever, you know, like the, the Dave people or whatever. And but then Dave is the one reaching out and then getting his hand slapped away. So yeah, see, Liberty Unity, like, and Dave and uh, a few other guys and I like were the ones who started it really, and we were talking about it when we first started pushing it and. We made the point that if nothing else, this is actually just going to be a great tool to expose the bad actors because mm-hmm. he's out there saying, look, I'll unify with anybody to do these things. And it's been very obvious who's been willing to accept that olive branch. And, you know, like the, <laughs> it's been extremely real because in my opinion, you know, at least to new people to the party, like it wasn't super obvious. There was just a bunch of mudslinging. And so if you just came in and you just saw this crazy fight, you're just like, what the hell is going on? So then if you have this obvious thing you can center around, be like, hey, this is what our goal should be. And then it's obvious who's picking up that torch, who's going with it, and then who's being a detractor and who's, you know, just being a bitch. Then, um, you know, it kind of serves its purpose. Yeah. And I can see how it can be confusing to the outside onlooker because we like i mean i'm not a mises caucus guy but i i like i'm pretty much like all my homies are kind of deal like i I told you i'm not a fan of like working within political system i have my reasons i'm going to talk uh tomorrow on why libertarian why but i'm not concerned to go into deep thinking that right now we can later if you want but so i hang out with those people all the time and it's like i'm oh god i completely lost my fucking thought process what was i Uh, you were saying that you're not part of the Mises caucus, but I'm assuming you're about to defend them in some way or something. But Oh yeah. Yeah. My point being is, uh, I mean, cause I kind of run in those circles. Like those are all my homies. Like I'm kind of like philosophically all in the same thing. It's, I just have a different opinion when it comes to strategy, but yeah. like it's, you can, from the outside looking in, I could see how people would be like, look at these fucking assholes. Like Dave Smith's a dickhead, blah, blah, blah. But it's cause we're the superior fucking shit talkers. So like it's like you see someone coming in. It's like it'd be like if there was a, you walked into a fight and there's this 200 pound dude who's yo beating the shit out of this 120 pound guy. It's kind of like well that's kind of fucked up. But it's like you don't know what happened beforehand. It's right. just that in this situation, like like us of this like ilk are the 200 pound yoke dude, and <laughs> and these fucking losers are the 120 pound dudes getting their ass kicked. But what you don't know is that they did some fucked up shit before you walked up. You know, <laughs> like, right. that's kind of where I'm at with that. You know. Yeah, I think what Dave has realized, and it's something that we tried to get him uh, to realize, and he's said it like he said it on Josh Smith's show, and he said it other places that these people are insignificant. A lot of them, like they're just they don't have an audience. They're just griping. Like I'm already way bigger than most of them are, and I've only been around on Twitter for like a year, and you know, like they're just little griping bitches. And if you engage them, you actually you give them what they want, first of all, because they're trying to get a reaction out of you. That's They kind of just live to oppose you and get your reaction. And then you're also giving them a platform because, um, you know, as I said, they don't have any audience. So if you're a guy who has 100,000 followers and you engage in all these dumb fights with them, you're just elevating them more than you need to. And it also just makes you look petty because you're mm-hmm. bothering to fight with them. So he's really 
moved beyond that and gone to more of a, you know, focusing on the big picture, trying to create bridges where it's constructive. Um, I think that's the way forward for sure. And to be fair to like Dave and like, I can completely get where it's coming from. Cause it's like, I know how it is when anyone fucks with me, even if they're like an insignificant five follower fucking dude, I'm not gonna lie. It bugs me to my core to just let it go. Like, I don't know if this is a libertarian thing or like just, or what, if we just like to argue, but just in my head on me, like, Oh my God, I want to fuck this dude. <laughs> Someone's going to clip that out. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. We like, got most of the power gang watching, so they're probably going to clip it. But. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good one. Use that as my intro. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I can see, like, why it's so hard to just let shit go, but sometimes that's tactically the best thing to go go with. Like, for example, um, you've probably seen the Ace Arcus debate with Kevin Castley, where it wasn't even Ace, it was fucking Pulpo and just, like, trolling him. Like, sometimes that's appropriate. Sometimes just either ignoring or even clowning them is appropriate to be like, you're not worth my time. <laughs> right. So, and I understand his initial, and I actually agree with the initial, like, engaging because sometimes it is appropriate to engage. Like you don't want to just ignore him, but there comes a point where you're like, all right, we got to ignore him. And, and, and I don't know. And I think there is something like, say, with people like Power Gang, like we kind of always fuck with Star Lord and we, he, we kind of make his existence an internal fucking ratio. And I think there's some utility to that as well. But I don't, I think that's like where we fit in in the market, if you will. Yeah. Well, you I was going to say, like, that's Tower Gang's place for sure. Like, that's what Tower Gang should do. Like, not Dave. Like, if Tower yeah. Gang is doing that, it's perfect. Like, that's what they exist for. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we just, yeah, I mean, it's kind of what I was getting at. It's like, it's not, I mean, we're just fucking around. We're nobodies. It's not really giving them a platform, if anything. But even then, the platform we are giving him is like a, haha, look at this retard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> yeah. But when yeah. Dave stoops down to their level and, like, tries to have some sort of, actual legitimate debate with them it's kind of like it's it, it has that effect you were getting at you know yeah for sure yeah. i had a question but i actually just forgot what it was um <laughs> so i'm gonna try to pivot um yeah i think that um you know we uh it, it's like we're um the, the 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 scenario i try to compare it to is like we we're we've already gone off a cliff in a truck that has a parachute we can deploy but we're arguing over whether or not we should have the windshield wipers on as we're like plummeting toward the <laughs> earth. And it's like, guys, I mean, <laughs> like, um, you know, we've got to unify and focus on the big picture item. So uh, picture there's like four of us in the truck. And so three of us decide like, okay, you know, we're, uh, we're going to deploy the parachute. And then that one guy is like, no, we need to turn the high beams on. And he's going to try to obstruct you from deploying the parachute. Like, even though he's sort of on your team and you all want to survive going off the cliff, at a certain point, if he's not letting you get to the parachute, you've got to punch him in the face and knock him out or whatever so that you can deploy the parachute. So if you're going to continue to be a bitch fuck cuck, as I said on the Tower Gang podcast, like, sorry, I mean, you're you're an obstruction. So it's not even that we're going to try to purge you. We're just going to outgrow you and plow through you and work around you. And that goes for either side. Like if there's some Mises caucus guy who hates trans people or something and is like a hundred percent, you know, I don't know, like just against, uh, you know, that's his number one issue. He's not going to let anything else fly. Like, okay, well, sorry, dude, you know, <laughs> you're, you're not on our side anymore. Like once you, 
once you put dumb shit over extremely important priorities, you're not a team member anymore. Yeah, and there are certain people I want them to make to make them uncomfortable to call themselves libertarian. Because like while I may not engage in the party side of things, it's still like people associate me with that. And that's not what I want to be associated with. I want certain people, especially dishonest fact uh got it bring dishonest fucking actors, that's what I was looking for. Uh, that are fucking doing. I want them to, you know, embrace what they really are. Be centrist. Go be centrist. Go fuck off. Go stand for nothing. That's great. Just, you know, get away from us. I, I don't care. Go do your thing elsewhere. Like, but this is not the place for you. Like, I have no problem making those people feel uncomfortable. And I yeah. think sometimes, though, it's just we got to be careful in picking our targets. And we went into this in my episode. I kind of like have been like kind of kicking around the idea of maybe like a green pill because there are people who like we will just like you know dismiss them as being blue pills or whatever. But I do think there's something that we need to identify able to identify people who are just new or learning or on their journey and, you know, make sure we're not picking them out and just destroying them. Cause while there are people I think are actually fucking important to like, I think it, it's good to fuck with some people to kind of essentially, you know, what's socially ostracize them. Like there are some people that's great. I'm all about it, but there mm -hmm. are, you also need to be careful in picking who you do that to, because I think there are some people that you need to realize like, no, they're coming around to your way. You just need to be a little bit more patient or work with them and not just blast them. You know what I mean? Like, it's, so it is kind of a hard thing. It's a tactics thing. Uh, yeah, I just, I think it's very important. I've kind of started thinking about that more lately because I, we've been putting a lot of people in blast and I've noticed there are some people, for example, the Ricky Harrington thing the other day, like I think Ricky Harrington from what I've seen would, I would consider him maybe like a green pill and like to some extent and that he's, He's, I think he's kind of red-pilled, and I think he's coming along. I think he's moving that way. I think he's still a little bit set in his ways because you guys saw him read about the racism thing with the Mises cause and shit. But he seems like a good guy, and I do think he deserves some respect. Uh, he, does, he deserves respect. He doesn't deserve to be dismissed. So I think there is something to like my idea that I'm kind of coming up with with like, the green pill and like identifying people within that blue area that we really they're, – they're workable. Like you should be like – should approach them a certain way and not just fucking be dicks to them, you know? Yeah, I think the problem with the red pill, blue pill dichotomy is, you know, you, you start, then you only have two groups that you're putting mm -hmm. people in. And I, I don't even think like the green pill is necessarily the other group. Like there are people, I think red pill, blue pill might be like extremes. And then you have people, it's a sliding scale. So you can be like purple pilled. You can be kind of in the middle. Like, um, you know, I, I would not put Nick Sarwark and Justin Amash at the same spot. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, think they're the same type of person like Justin Amash might use language that's within acceptable um, opinion more than I would but he's not someone who's going to demonize somebody who uses different language and he also definitely detaches from bullshit that the state tries to push and pushes some messaging that's very outside of normal occasionally you know like Nick Sarwark you never see him do that um, mm -hmm. and then you know like Alex Jones and I don't, Tom Woods are not the same person either. Like you're, you're talking about something completely different. So I just think the red pill, blue pill makes people think simplistically. Oh, I agree. Um, and I think it's a, I think it's a good analogy for the most part, but people will be like, Oh, is he red pilled? Oh, he's not. Okay. Fuck him. And then it's just like, there goes your conversation. It's dead. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think, I think people, we tend to like give Republicans and Democrats shit for being simplistic thinkers, but I think sometimes we're, some of the worst binary thinkers of all. Um, Cause uh, you know, you've seen this past year with the fucking private company, bro, like, yeah. shit like that, like, you know, blue. I mean, I did an episode with Clint on uh, the clear pill, which is kind of a, it's because the whole black pill, white pill thing is another 
a perfect example of this binary shit. And I don't think, I think this black pill, white pill thing is kind of almost a leftover from our like 12 years of propaganda that we all engage in and getting fucking this nationalistic fucking shit drive driven into us. It's not yeah. going to be good everywhere. It's just not. This whole black pill, white pill thing, I think is like a bit of a misnomer. Like that's why I like the idea of the clear pill. And it's just like, it's like, that's realism. Like there's going to be places that are fucked and there are going to be places that are good. And even then, within those places that are fucked, you probably can maybe make your life a little bit more bearable if you can't necessarily get to the places that are going to be good. But obviously, that's ideal. <laughs> like, I think it's we need to be looking things through clear eyes and not these. I mean, there is some utility in like labels and grouping things. At the same time, I think we we just end up falling to this trapping of this zero one thinking. And I mean, like, because we are so used to being like, is that does it break the NAP? Does it not? Like, sometimes yeah. it's not always that simple. Like with the private company bro argument, it's like. You could be a mom pa art, uh, company that's getting kickbacks in some way from the government. Does that mean you're, I mean, technically you're not entirely a private company. And then on the other hand, you have the big giant corporations who are getting a shitload of kickbacks from the government. And they're definitely not a private company if you look at, but it's like, those are both examples of gray. Like that, that fucking, that little mom pa place is like a light gray. And then that fucking corporation is like a dark, dark, dark car- charcoal gray. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's not always zeros and ones. It's just not. Yeah, I think no, we I, need to learn to think a little bit more nuanced in some ways. It doesn't mean letting go of principle, but it's just knowing that it's it's not always black and white, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think principles actually enable you to think with nuance because if you don't have principles, you need black and white to stay centered because you, otherwise you're clueless. Like if you have something that hones you in on true north, then you can see what's like north by northeast, north mm. by northwest. You can you can base everything off of that, and then you actually have nuance. It's when you don't have that that you have to be incredibly simplistic to find your way at all. I just think too many of us fall into the trap of just being like, instead of an, you know, are we five degrees north by uh, you know east or whatever? But they just go, no, are we north? Are we south? Right. And it's like it's not as simple as did they break the NAP? Is it a private company? Sometimes within that, it's a little bit of a gray area. I mean. I mean, shit, like any of the big thinkers will tell you that. Rothbard, I'm sure, I can't think of a quote off the top of my head would say that. I know Konkin would. That was a big thing with Konkin is he focused on the whole fucking uh, private company public or uh, public company like dichotomy. That was a big part of his thinking. Rothbard did the same thing. I know a lot of people accuse Rothbard of not doing it, but no, Konkin put more of an emphasis. But Rothbard definitely did bring it up. That's for damn sure. So, but yeah, I just think it's, we sometimes we just need to elevate our thinking, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we saw it both with the water fountain meme and with Justin Amash talking with AOC. Like, there was so little friggin' nuance in both of those instances. Mm-hmm. Like, people, people were just like, they were just dumb. I mean, I, I guess I know Twitter sucks as a medium to discuss <laughs> like anything with any amount of nuance, but still, it was just like, holy crap, guys! Like, can you think outside the box at all, or are you just completely constrained by? you know, your, your emotions. But uh, for the end, I wanted to talk about your show. How long has your show been going? Uh, What inspired you to start it? And what do you try to do on it? Uh, My show has been going around for about six months. I'm uh, I'm on episode 52 was my last episode. Um, Yeah, I've been, I first started and it started, it was an outgrowth from this like Facebook group we had called the Liberty Movement. And we were like trying, the whole mission there was we were trying to do like a cultural non-political liberty-minded space because that was in our head that was our way to unify people and i still i still believe in it in some sense and uh like I'm, i haven't been doing as much as how much time 
but yeah, that was where it grew out of. And that we started we started a YouTube channel where it was going to be like a rotating cast of shows and that, of shows that fit that bill. So like it would be we wouldn't be focusing on political stuff. So it'd be like say there was some guy up there that had a fucking you know a sports show. You know, like he wanted to do a weekly clips. He just so happened to be a Liberty guy. He didn't even have to ever go into it. It was just supposed to be a spot where, like, you know, we could have that. You know, where we could have, say, sports without being fucking inundated with, you know, propaganda bullshit. You know, and just other stuff, something along those lines. Like, we had a movie review on there. I ended up, I just recently stopped doing it because it's not the time. Uh, if anyone listening and wants to, is something they'd like to manage, hit me up. Uh, I did a whole episode on that recently because I'm looking for someone to take it over. But, uh, anyways, yeah, that's, it came out of that. I started doing the show, then I made my own show to support that channel to kind of, you know, get it off the ground. And then after a while, I kind of realized that like, I didn't only want to talk about cultural non-political con uh, content. And so then I like created my own channel and I would like do like half and half. So I would do like one episode. I might do like an episode on like comics and everyone can see the comics behind me. And then like in that same week, I might do an episode on, I, don't know, I can't even think of something, like that, but something political or, or something that wouldn't be considered something I'd want to put on the other channel. Then after a while, I, you know, I mean, that's kind of what it grew out of. And then I, I just now recently, I kind of got to the point where even now I'm like, shit, like I don't always want to like pigeonhole myself to only doing, to doing like doing it like that. So now I just can't do whatever I want. But there are a lot of episodes that are like all over the place. Like I've done episodes of comics, manga, I've done all, all sorts of other weird shit. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I just like to talk about whatever I want to talk about. I kind of, I mean, the, to get an idea of what I do, I've been a, my biggest influences on my thinking have been Dave Smith and Pete Quinones. So, I mean, you can think of me as like a shitty version of the two of them. So that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> I Sound mean, kind of based actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they've definitely had big, both had big influence in my thinking and big, I've had Pete on my show. I've never had Dave. I'd love to have Dave on sometime just because of the fact that it's like, I mean, it was, it was surreal having Pete on. And so it's like, it's, I don't know, I'm not one of those people that normally has like heroes per se, because it's like, it's kind of gay, but <laughs> at the same time, there are people that you like really look up to and you're like, you know, there's kind of fangirl. Like, for example, I got, um, I got fucking Phil Abonte coming on this week, my show, which that's another thing. If you want to get early, you go on Patreon, because it's going to take a while. And I was like super stoked about that. Cause like, I, I listened to his fucking Fall of Ideals album for like a whole goddamn summer while I was just fucking being a, a deviant. And he's, you know, just railing pills and fucking doing crazy shit high school kids do. Um, yeah, so it's, it's I don't know, it's something, it's surreal getting, getting to talk to some of the people I talk to. Because these are people, I was a big podcaster and stuff. And I was like, just weird having all these people. Um, but yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm rambling now. But yeah, that's my show. It's through the fucking one. I'm like at 50-ish episodes. I, I like to think I'm fairly decent. Uh, it's the No Way Jose, if I haven't mentioned it already. Um, but yeah, it's on YouTube. It's also everywhere audio podcasts are at. I think I answered the question and it's just rambling at this point. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I've seen, uh, I watched, I forget which one. I think I watched your episode with uh, Clint from Liberty Lockdown. I've had him on my show. Mm-hmm. I've been on his show. And um, yeah, I like seeing people who, you know, I mean, everyone has a show, but if you can't, um, if you can't get anyone on your show, then, you know, why, why do a show? Like if you don't have anything to say and if you're not interesting, like don't do one. But if you are interesting and you have stuff to say, do one because you never know where you're going to get. Like I'm I I'm someone who can attribute to that. Like I was nobody in the liberty movement like four months ago or five months ago. But here I am now. Like if you have something that you think is um, a new perspective or something that people can resonate with, or just something that's not being talked about much that you think more needs more attention, just go for it. 
But uh, yeah, I've got your YouTube channel linked in the description and your Twitter bio so people can follow you there. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, Jose. I'll just give you the last word and then we'll kill the stream. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate it. It was super awesome and really nice, really awesome getting to know you because like I said, my perception kind of changes. We really hit it off. We have a lot in common, like a lot. Like we, me and you talked, are pretty much our origin story is almost essentially the same in a lot of ways. Um, I know you kind of brought up the podcasting thing. There's a reason I do interview shows because I'd like to think sometimes I have important shit to say, but I generally try to bring on people that have important shit to say. And then, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess if you've literally nothing to contribute whatsoever, then maybe don't. But I mean, I guess I kind of have a little bit of something and then I just pepper that in with other people's perspective and they kind of mix. But really the key is having good guests that have interesting shit to say. Yeah. <laughs> and also there's something to catching people that you could have a good vibe with. Cause it's not like, I know a lot of people accuse some podcasts of being clout chasers or whatever. There aren't some people who do that, but I, I genuinely am just looking for people that I feel like I would have a good conversation with. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, like, well, you're picking this guy as a shitload of followers. But it's like, well, there might be a reason they have a lot of followers. Maybe there's someone you could have a good conversation with. Like, you don't just magically get to be big shit. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I know a lot of people might accuse, like, people like you or Clint of, like, just getting it all from fucking Dave. Cause, but there's a reason why Dave wanted to talk to you. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there's something there, and, and a lot of people are like we're kind of all riding each other's wave to some some in some extent, you know. Like, I'm yeah. sure, I'll probably get more followers from this, but you know what? I mean, you know, the rising tide raises all ships. I'm all about doing the same thing. So, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I just uh, want to say, go follow this guy too, Archaic Skids, and he is right. The stash is the biggest uh, attribute to my rise, but. Uh, <laughs> He's another guy who, uh, you know, he's only been around like, I don't know, he's only been around like a month and he's already gotten a ton of people on his show. So go check him out. But thanks for watching, everybody. I will not be doing any episodes until Sunday. And Sunday, of course, is the third installment of The Four Horsemen with myself, uh, Eric Jackman, Ryan Dawson, and Dave Smith. So make sure you check into that. That's going to be 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday. I might do some like live streams on my phone from my truck or something, but no, no planned episodes. So stay tuned for that. Uh, if you have not subscribed, please subscribe to the channel. And if I ever get a day off where I have some time, I'm going to try to make an audio version of the podcast. And I'm also looking at moving over to PeerTube and Odyssey just to have uh, secondary places to keep my content. But thank you for watching. Go follow Jose on YouTube and Twitter. Jose, thanks for coming on. No problem. Archaic Skids, DM me. If you got the approval from fucking Reed, I'm sure you're good shit. There you go. Mm. <laughs>